Quite often you hear me say to you either individually or as a group, just include, just include everything. Don't conclude anything. There's enough conclusions going on all over the place. Most of them we call opinions based on partial evidence and also based on people are very fearful of flowing around not knowing what to do. So they will, rather than being willing to just float around, just see what that is, we grasp at something. Well, I believe this. Well, I want this. Well, I don't want that. Well, I like this. I don't like that. Partial evidence is dangerous if it's not seen for what it is. So I say, I say it that way. Include. Don't conclude. Don't exclude. Any exclusion that needs to happen will happen spontaneously, not necessarily based on your knee-jerk reaction of hope and fear, but just because you, you have, it's choiceless. You don't, you just do it. You don't really particularly give it too much thought. So the title of this evening's Dharma talk runs along that line, those lines, and it is. So just observing something. This is very difficult to do. It's rare to meet anyone who just observes. It doesn't jump to some kind of propaganda, some kind of position, some kind of idea, opinion, belief. It's, uh, and it's I'm not saying that that's particularly wrong. It's happening all over the place. Everybody we know is doing that on some level. The ones that are doing that with strong uh, hope and fear will not only take themselves into war, but sometimes whole communities, whole countries, societies into war against something else. Quite often you hear people hammering away about the bad guys, the people who are wrong, should be excluded, shouldn't be here. I don't have to go into any kind of political situation for you to know or recognize that. It's been going on for centuries. It went on in the 1930s in uh, Germany. It went on everywhere. It went on in this country also. Not blaming any particular culture. Uh, in fact, and in fiction, I'm not blaming anything. I'm not blaming. Blaming is, this is what happens when you blame. All investigation stops. You might, might have a handle on something. You might be partially correct or accurate about something. But as soon as you point the finger at everything, everything else falls in the background. It's called ignorance. It's a very aggressive and very uh, disturbing kind of ignorance because it certainly doesn't look like ignorance. It looks like you're right and somebody else is wrong. But observing, and what am I saying when I say observing? Pardon me. When I'm saying observing, what I'm saying is give something your attention. And when you do that, then whatever shows up as you give it your attention, receive that. Don't add anything to it. I'm keeping it very simple. Gentleman on the back's wearing a green shirt. Nice shirt. Before you name it green, before you something shows up, you're giving something your attention, and then you receive its color. Before you even name it anything, that's observing. Now, if you see that and you also name it, then you then you can actually, if you're, uh, so, shall we say, skilled at this, you can actually observe that you're labeling it. So it's like looking. Any Afro-Americans here? Is it okay to call them Afro-Americans rather than black people? I was corrected recently by somebody really young, and I thought, well, here we go again, relearn everything. <laughs> Anytime we name anything, we do what we separate. I don't care if it's we call someone uh, an angel. Call, call any kind of name calling is ignorance. 
this isn't to say we have to stop doing that. Of course, we need to we need to know the difference between strawberries and blueberries. Otherwise, you make the wrong kind of pie. So we need to know, we need to name things what they are. But remember, you're naming something that fundamentally in itself has no name. The name is about controlling and manipulation. So I was using uh, someone who is black. You know, you'll notice being mostly, as far as I can tell, white people in here. You'll notice when you see someone who is black, you there are immediately other thoughts arise around that. They may not be particularly negative, but there's something will stir there if you've been raised in a white culture. And what am I saying? You can't you can't get rid of prejudice. The very nature of prejudice is ignorance. You can't get rid of it, but you can at least be aware that that's what you're doing. If you're aware that that's what you're doing, then you can keep the destructive part of that to a minimum. And if you have questions about that, not yet, but you should ask me. You should ask me about it so that we can go deeper. I'll do it together. I can listen to what your question is. I can I'll respond in some way, and we can go deeper into that. It's a very important thing that is misunderstood everywhere. This is the astonishing thing about this teaching. You don't have to get rid of anything. You don't have to get rid of your anger, your aggression, your passion, your ignorance, your, your difficult feelings, your happy feelings, your threatened feelings. You don't have to get rid of anything. Getting rid of something, all it does is it sends it away, if you find a way to do it, and it'll come right back through the back door because it is circular. What you can do is see what it is. If you see fundamentally what it is, then you realize you're not separate from it. And when you see you're not separate from it, nothing happens. It goes nowhere. But it no longer can find a self to manipulate or obstruct or shake up or scare or anything else. If you see, if you see what this is, the work is over with. But if you don't see what this is, you can spend lifetimes doing this. This is your big chance right now in this room, this very moment. I'm going to tell you the truth. If you hear it, if you really hear it, don't believe it. Don't disbelieve it. And don't look away. What you're looking for, you're looking at. You're looking right at the truth all the time. We just covered up with hope, fear, objections, uh, layer after layer of plywood on top of everything called ignorance. You have a question, David? Do we uh, include diversity? If you call it diversity, then you, you've already named it, so you've separated yourself from something that you're calling diversity. So if you're including diversity, you're including your idea of diversity. That's not exactly diversity uh, being included. That's diversity not being included. You're including the idea of the diversity. Yes? If we don't have to get rid of prejudice, how do we relate to a culture that thinks prejudice is... Relate to yourself. Start with yourself. You don't have to start with a culture. I have no idea how you leave this monastery and go down the street and, and talk to somebody uh, who's uh, delivering mail, or I don't have any protocol or any recommendation for that. What I do have a recommendation for, and you know what's coming, train your mind. Find out who this is, because it's all about mistaken identity. If you don't know who this is, you'll take who you think this is, and you'll take them out into the world, and then that, because you think there's a solid me, your solid self, You'll be, you'll like some things, dislike other things. You'll be real sensitive to opinions and ideas that are coming from this way or that way. More. What is that sensitivity to others' ideas? It's ego. It's, it's, self, it's believing there's some solid person that can be helped or hindered, can be advanced or 
whatever, destroyed by the world, that somehow you can, who you actually are can be, um, uh, is in danger somehow, and it's not. This doesn't mean that somebody can't come up with a club and hit you, but it's your body. We're not talking about that. We're talking about who you actually are, not who it looks like you are. It looks like we're this body-mind. That's why we fear death. We don't know what's going to happen. We think we're going to disappear. Yeah, fat chance. You're going to disappear. Just like when you go to sleep at night, everything disappears. But you don't go anywhere. Or maybe you do. Maybe you wander around in a dream somewhere. But you notice when you're in that dream, it's totally real. Completely real. Unless it becomes unreal. Which, in that case, maybe you have a good time. I'm going to count to three. Everybody smile. One, two, three. Yeah, that's better. You can smile. Is it a real quick one? Okay. You can only stand that for a split second, then you have to go back to a frown. <laughs> he wasn't really frowning. I'm just giving him a hard time because I can. Anybody else want that kind of attention? So, are there other questions about this? There's a lot. I've been talked very long, but there's covered a lot of material. It would be really good to interact around this. If you have questions, I'm happy to address them or at least respond. Say to. Um, earlier, you said that partial evidence is dangerous if it's not seen for what it is. Sometimes we have to act out of partial evidence, though. So how okay. do we? That's okay. If you know it's partial, then then you then you then you giving the benefit of the doubt to whatever's happening. But if you think it's if you think it's a fact, then anything that doesn't line up with your so-called <laughs> imputed fact uh, is appears to be wrong or incorrect or or. or needs to be dealt with somehow. But if you know it's in, that it's uh, that it's incomplete or it's partial, then, you, then you're kind of going into any situation with uh, kind of giving things the benefit of the doubt. You think that might be this way. You know, it's like, a, what do they call that, a, um, uh, a temporary uh, hypothesis about something. You know, you're not sure, but it looks like probably this is true or that is true. So it's a, it's kind of an operating temporary uh, hypothesis, or, or as I called it when I was in 10th grade, a hypnothesis. <laughs> I didn't know how to pronounce it. <laughs> then some other guy corrected me. I felt really ashamed. I didn't know that. Does, does that make some sense? Yeah. Yeah, so it's like, you know, just a, so we go and give, kind of give it the benefit of the doubt. It could move this way or move that way. Other questions? So you said the title is Observing is Including. Yes. But as I sit here observing you, I don't see what's behind me. Is that still including? So it's not in your view, just like uh, the dark side of the moon isn't in, in your view. So you don't have to include something that's not arising in your awareness. It, it would be, technically it would be including. You're not, you're not messing around with it, not doing anything with it. But including, like looking at me, would be, Colors, shapes, size, uh, keeping everything very simple. It's an interesting thing. Uh, you, uh, you seems to be necessary to practice sitting meditation like we were doing here a little while ago. Sit down, hold still. In this case, look at the wall and just just hold very still and watch what continues to show up. And it will be more than likely thoughts, ideas, opinions, memories. Uh, you You might find yourself even... You start out in the room, you start out looking at the wall, you start out there, but at some point, uh, unless you've been doing this a while, you'll leave the room. 
you go into your thought patterns, not wrong. It's not incorrect. Even that is needs to be included. So we just include, we include, we include, we, and we observe what is happening. And we, we just, if you just observe it, then the inclusion is, uh, is part of the observation. You're just no longer objecting to anything, nor are you agreeing with anything, nor are you shutting down or closing off from anything. This is powerful, powerful medicine for finding your basic sanity, finding your, your true nature, who you actually are, not what society tells you, not what I tell you, not what anyone tells you. You find it out yourself. You need to find it out yourself. And if Buddhism, the path of the Buddha, Buddhism can help you, then go for it. But if there's something else that is going to help you, I don't know what that may be. All I know is this is what I teach. But, but finding out who you are is very, very important. As long as this body mind is here and there's a heart pumping and you're, you're having a parent physical body, this will not last. And the interesting thing about this, when this that will not last goes away, you may not notice that it's gone. You may be so much in your idea of things that you may recreate all of this. It's called a dream. Yes. You're talking about including, including color, shapes, and size. When we start to see those in relation to other things, like if I look at somebody and not just see the side, but say, oh, they're bigger than normal or they're skinnier than average. That's adding. You're adding on. But if you if you if that happens and you see that you're doing that, I mean, if there's always some kind of a basic including going on, and the observing is actually including, it's not it's not going and it's not sliding off into. Uh, um, some kind of aggression or judgment about something. Are we able to see just the color sizes and shapes without mm -hmm. comparison? Yes. Okay. And eventually, if you do that enough, you practice it enough, uh, the, the, the thing that comes forward the strongest is you see that you're not separate from anything. So it's very much like, like looking at everything else that used to look like everything else, and now it looks like the palm of your hand. You're no longer separate from anything. So therefore, it's very easy, almost uh, effortless to help others because you realize how, how very, very close and intimate you are with everyone, even the people that are giving you a hard time, even the people that are what, a different color, a different size, a different race, a different, uh, or a different rather, a different country, or even an alien isn't going to give you much of a problem other than maybe like, oh, it's an interesting alien. Probably wouldn't say that. Probably just run. You ever run from an alien? Okay. How is your memory working? Pretty good. Better than used to be. Are you bragging? Comparing. You're comparing. Okay. <laughs> you slipped out of that. Further <laughs> <laughs> questions? Look it up. If we have a prejudice that we're unaware of and. Uh, seems like I don't see that until I've already reacted to it in the world. Yes. Is there a way that we can be aware of that before we actually react? I think I'm very biased in this area. I say, yes, that's possible if you train your mind, if you spend a lot of time sitting down, holding still, and sharpening the awareness so that when you do get up and interact with causes and conditions out in the apparent outer world, that you're so clear about this and you're, you're not only clear about others, but you're clear about who you are. 
and you, you have a, you begin to have a realization that there's not a solid person here. And one of the ways I talk about it to help, I think certainly helps me, but might help others is when you look for your identity, see that it's discontinuous, that there's no identity maintained. Sometimes people who, who naturally, who their identity is naturally kind of coming apart instead of taking advantage for that, of that and allowing themselves to float apart. Instead, they try to find ways to smush their ideas together and they, they can do it with drugs. They can do it with some kind of activity, some kind of habitual thing that makes them feel solid like somebody. Sometimes people can do anything from go bowling a lot, you know, especially if they're really good at it. This gives them a feeling of being somebody. They're better than all the other bowlers. So it fluffs them up. They can lift weights and keep looking in the mirror and going, not bad, kind of stronger than other people. You know, there are all kinds of subtle ways of doing that. And what we're saying is, let's go the other direction. Let's sit down and rather than add things up, fluff things up, make things stronger, make things more, more better. Uh, let's just sit down and see what they actually are. So actually watch your, your mind actually come and go and come and go. And the very discontinuity of it, that's when it gets difficult, when you start feeling like you're losing your mind, which is what quite often happens with people who meditate a lot. And I would say to, to, to that, please don't give up. Sit, hold still. There's, there's nothing happening. Just your body, just your mind. Things are just moving. Just take your seat, sit down, hold still. Watch what moves. And you may see some of that. You may eventually see some of that prejudice uh, come up. But by the time you see it, it no longer has much of a foothold. It no longer has much of a, of a say-so about what you're doing or not doing. You wouldn't be... Um, um, you wouldn't have that just... Uh, impulsive kind of reaching out based on your misunderstanding to hurt somebody, criticize somebody, or, nor would you be doing it particularly in your mind. You'd be including that. It's interesting that if you see that there's some prejudice going on, if you just include that, it takes all the power out of it. If you're fighting with it, it goes underground. If you're, if you're agreeing with it or if you're validating it, or if you're explaining that this is why it's okay for you to feel this way because, uh, because, uh, these people or that person really is uh, bad, well, then, you're, then you're going the other direction. You're, you're giving it some kind of life based on passion. The other one is giving it life based on aggression, trying to push it down. And the, and the most difficult one is one that gives it life based on ignoring it or distracting yourself into something else. Anytime it shows up, distract ourselves. Yes, sir. Does looking at our prejudices actively slow them down? I think if you don't, if you just do it as an awareness, just you're just aware of it. Uh, it's very difficult not to be aware of that and not want to not want to do something about it because you, it's a, it's, a, it's kind of a sick, uh, sickening feeling to feel that you've got emotional structures in your mind that won't go away. That because you've been looking at them, you can say they're not true. They're some kind of imputation or imaginary thing based on causes and conditions that you can't find the source to. And yet you see it's untrue, but you can't get rid of it. Because if you push on it, it fights back. And if you cover it up, of course, it goes underground. And then it shows up as a reaction in some other situation, or it comes back maybe even stronger. More. If we're having having our eye on it, is there a chance that that stuff might still be expressed? It could be. So we just have to watch that come out? Just You, you may have to. It's like I had uh, one time I said in a talk, you may have to kill somebody. 
And of course, that's really easy to misunderstand. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that monk said I might have to kill somebody. Maybe it's okay to do that. No, what I'm saying is that force of karma is just so powerful. This isn't a validation of something, but you've noticed, everyone in here has noticed something that they've done at some point that they just maybe could not stop and couldn't get in the way of and couldn't stop it. And it just comes surging out at who knows what it might be. It could be the causes and conditions are unsearchable. We don't have a Google for what this is. This is you know, Google is something you look for information, but you, there's no way to track down what this is. It's so very vast and complicated and goes back uh, to what's called beginningless time. But what you can do is see what arises and don't accept it, don't reject it, don't look away, and then it will find its own level. It may not be comfortable. Uh, you may have to begin to look at the very karma that you've been trying to get rid of. You may actually have to just see the, those, those, that negativity of those emotions uh, or those that, are, that seem to have something to do with someone else or some, being prejudiced against some other thing or other situation. Yes. Are we ever able to be comfortable where those negative things level off at? Let me say it this way, and then I encourage you to ask questions, not just you, but anybody. You won't care whether you're comfortable or not. If you care whether you're comfortable, if you're trying to figure out some way to do things in such a way that you're not, well, now finally I'm comfortable. This is, uh, this is a form of spiritual materialism, trying to use practices to get yourself so that you feel better. The Buddha said 2,500 years ago, life is suffering. He didn't say part of the time. And it's also not nihilism. It's just the truth. It's not some kind of negative thing. He just said, it's, if you have nerve endings, which we all do, and all the six sense fields, including the mind, is something that's similar to a nerve ending, sense of touch, sense of taste, sense of smell. Any one of those can be disturbed or abraded. Yet every one of them is, including the mind, has a, the same thing that, that causes you to feel temporarily happy is the thing, same thing that causes you to feel temporarily unhappy. So what is it that transcends all of that? What is it that is no longer disturbed, no longer controlled or manipulated by thought patterns or emotions? I'm not saying you don't have them, but you're, you're no longer, you no longer have some kind of allegiance to every time you have a negative thought, you've got to do something with it. You've got to push it down. You've got to justify it. You've got to get rid of it. You've got to medicate or meditate. When it seems so negative on this side, how can we encourage ourselves without covering up? Yeah, that's a good, good question. I just, uh, this is why we do sitting practice of meditation and why, you, why this doesn't work too good as a hobby might be okay. You might be able to, I don't teach this the way a lot of people teach it. Uh, sometimes great, well-known teachers with lots of titles and everything will say, do this and do this and you'll feel better kind of thing. I just looked at it in the back of a book someone showed me just recently by a, a, a Tibetan Lama who's a, you know, who's a great teacher, has titles and everything. But it's using meditation practices and techniques to feel better, to get better, to be peaceful, to, and it seems to uh, be uh, fundamentally not, it's not helpful to the, the fundamental difficulty. It may, you know, someone may do meditation and start to feel better, sure, that can happen, but um, may, you, you may need to go much, much deeper than just superficial feeling good. Junchu? Um, you said something about you don't care whether you feel comfortable or not. Um, and then I think 
in relation to that, you use the idea of not being disturbed by what arises. So is there a difference between not being disturbed and being uncomfortable? Yeah, one you, when you're uncomfortable and the other one you're not disturbed. You need more than that. Is there, <laughs> is there um, an identity that's not disturbed? So, yes, and so that's what we're... It boils down to some kind of person or identity or someone who, if that if that scene been seen through, that there's no solid me. The me feeling is unreal. It's concocted, and it's and it's kept running by grasping at one thing and rejecting something else. Passion and aggression, and the other one is shutting down or ignorance. If if those are having free reign, then uh, it's probably going to be a difficult ride. More. How do we have a willingness to be uncomfortable? Look, sitting practices of meditation, sit down, and if you sit down and face the wall, you're going to get uncomfortable sooner or later. Maybe not in the first hour, three hours, ten hours, ten weeks. But at some point, the very stuff that you've probably, not accusing anyone of anything, but you've probably been kind of shutting out or putting up your sleeve or around behind you or ignoring trying to get, get away from that if you sit down hold still and hold this body very still then the very thing that if there is something that is uh, you could say crucial or critical to your whole situation then it will start to surface more than likely and uh, that is your opportunity to just don't know of a better way to say it other than just just observe it Another way we might be saying be with it. Oh, that's a little bit extra there, because then you're 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 separating out away from that, and you're creating an identity of some of someone who is just being with something. But it's a very subtle area, and very easy to the ego, the self-centeredness is extremely good at self-deception. It's that's it's, it's a master of doing that, and it, and all it is is someone on a, a being on a stage who thinks they're real and they're acting. Uh, the image I've used before, the metaphor I've used before, is a, a sitting practice of meditation. If you're doing this over a period of time, it's like it's almost like you got off stage and you're sitting in the first row and you're just watching your emotions and feelings going back and forth, acting out, acting, interacting, as if there's some kind of dependable reality happening there. So how how do we work with that? Awareness, the awareness, the awareness of the prejudice, the awareness of the self-deception. The awareness of the pushing, pulling, the awareness, awareness, awareness is primary. Not belief in Buddhism. I don't care. I don't. I don't believe in that. But it, you need. You might need some kind of a structure to keep your uh, your your bowl of fish. Uh, give it some kind of a container so you're actually here. You're able. You're able to come in, sit down in front of a, a wall, hold still, and begin to see who who you are fundamentally rather than go out into the world with some kind of misunderstanding about who you are based on hope and fear, acceptance, rejection of what society thinks you are. Don't get your identity from others. Get your identity from me. Find out who you are. Find out so there's no doubt. If you have any doubts about who you are, probably have work to do. That being said, there's no, I'm not commanding anybody. I'm not in a position to do that anyway, but I'm saying it's really up to you. I trust you. I trust everybody that's listening to me to do whatever you need. If you're listening to this, that's going a long way. And if you decide to continue this way, I'll help you. If you decide to go another way, you've done nothing wrong. You're just doing whatever your your karma 
tells you. Go look in the mirror. See how much say-so you had already. You know, you've chosen different shaped ears. I mean, I would have liked to have had really tall ears. Could hear better. You don't want tall ears. Okay. What was your question? Uh, with including, is there opening? Well, that's a, I don't say just open necessarily. I'm saying because then, then it becomes a, uh, it's too easy for the ego mind to usurp that kind of, I'm just being open. I'm just being open. Have you ever heard someone say that to you as you've been telling them something that they don't particularly care to hear? And they'll say, well, I'm just being open, fat chance, or it's just thin chance. When they say they're just being open, is there something to give our attention? If someone says that to you? Yes. Yeah, the tone of their voice. And don't add to it. <clears throat> don't know, don't, don't have any idea what the tone of voice means. If you listen to something and think it means something else, this is the very nature of confusion. It's the very nature of passion, aggression, and ignorance. Whatever occurs is exactly that. It isn't, it isn't something else, including words. The word sardines, if you could say that word all day long, but you would starve to death. But the actual thing that's being pointed at, you could have that and not starve and not even know what it is. Isn't that a great way to, isn't that helpful? <laughs> yeah, I know you don't like sardines. Sometimes I love sardines. Uh, sometimes. How many do you like? <laughs> Well, you said you like sardines. I just wondering about quantity. You like lots of them. I don't hold. Okay, that works. <laughs> Sometimes you say to watch the news. I do. And how does how does that help with including? It does because it's very challenging. If you're watching any any news program, any. Any time somebody is standing in front of you and telling you about something else, they're lying. I'm not saying they're deliberately being deceitful. It's just that you can't talk about something else without trying to invent things that represent, in words, what you're talking about. So it's never the actual thing. And even if they were to take a picture of it and show you, even that is, that's how difficult it is to communicate. That's why it's so important to receive. Don't worry too much about what you say, but try to receive what's what's coming towards you, including, excuse me, including in the news. I don't necessarily believe it or disbelieve it or look away, even though sometimes it's very, very tempting to disbelieve it. Are, are there other um, activities that you would suggest to also include? Yeah, um, MSNBC, <laughs> CBS, CNBC, um, don't miss RT today, Russian television. You should listen to that too. That's very interesting to listen to or watch. Uh, listen to the radio if you've got one. Uh, listen to everyone. Receive what everyone's saying. Receive, and it's very easy for someone who who's got some kind of really intense, strong agenda about anything to to just not be able to receive it because it's just too big of a thing. But if you can receive it. You'll get a you'll get a more a better understanding of who it is that's behind that. It's like when somebody is upset with you and they come at you with a lot of anger or aggression or something like we've all experienced just in different times in our lives. Maybe last week, you know, if you can see, if you can just receive that, if you can just give it your attention and then receive what's ever coming, whatever's coming towards you, then if you've really received what's coming towards you you'll see what's behind it, which is usually their suffering 
that's why they're shoveling all this stuff at you that's so difficult because they're suffering but you won't see that unless you're really able to receive we may not even see it then but yes go ahead when you receive that are you still are you still experiencing the pain could be. what that is you could be james is it, is it different to um someone's coming at and they're angry um is it different to is there a difference between latent just naming it anger um but not react to it I, so i'm not quite clear on the question but well, um i hear i think i'm hearing you say uh our labeling things um is not simply receiving and we lose something by not just being in receiving mode mm -hmm. are we losing something it seems like we could be in receiving mode label it but not have any kind of reactive um mm -hmm. response that would keep us from maybe seeing that the person is suffering what's the question what do you lose by labeling something uh tone of voice or whatever uh but not being reactive to what it is you're labeling well the reaction there's a different you could say levels of reaction you could be it's not just reacting by saying you can't talk to me that way or or why are you being so mean or any you know whatever it may be it's not just that reaction it's the reaction that's unseen once we stopped actually fighting with our mate or our friend or our employer or co-worker or whomever a next door neighbor then then there's another level of working with that where we're still angry we're still irritated but no longer i like to say hooking up our vocal cords to the emotion so it takes some time to uh, it's like backing up but not exactly it's take some time to just be and here's the fancy word be responsible to re, to respond the ability response ability the ability the ability to respond to whatever is happening and that response uh, what i'm talking about here is just be with whatever happens you don't have to it doesn't mean you have to do something to it or anything particular other than in this way i'm teaching it here is just observe which isn't much of an activity it's just i'm looking at you i'm observing you and i'm receiving your your question your tone of voice your body language your clasped hands i'm seeing you i'm receiving that i'm trying to understand the question and i'm saying and my, the way i would respond to that question is is uh, less is better so it may take a while to see that person suffering but if you what here's another fancy word patience you wait and just watch someone's activity go back and forth. A lot of times, if you're really close to that person, a lot of times they, if you're beginning to do that, they really want to fight with you. They really they don't want you to just stand there and look at them. They'll accuse you of being arrogant. They'll do anything to hook you into the old, you know, what you did three years ago or two years ago or two weeks ago is let's have it out, let's argue. And that somehow that gets it all out so you can then you can make up, you know, we, that. Quite often that happens, but it's, so it's very difficult in, in a relationship if one person is really endeavoring to clarify what's going on and to lessen the aggression and, and work with that in a more uh, maybe a healthier way to to work with that. Uh, so the other person is might might, might rank ramp up their aggression to see if they can't get you to go back to the old way of fighting instead of you're sitting there not doing anything about it. Oh, and that, that, that causes the person to project onto you, yes. We haven't, <clears throat> haven't hooked up our vocal cords 
but we're giving ourselves a credential for not hooking up our vocal mm-hmm. cords. Does that mean we have not been responsible? No, it just means you're 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 seeing that you're not hooking up your vocal cords. So the credential part, just that you can ask the question, tells me you're aware of how that how that works. So you may have to go through something like that, but it's it's not particularly real. You don't have to get rid of anything, as I think I said at the beginning of this talk, and that's kind of an astonishing thing to reflect on. You mean anything I'm feeling, thinking, uh, I don't have to stop it or do something else or get rid of it? And I would say no. If you're aware of what this is, then whatever needs to leave or dissolve or go away, well, it will go away. And whatever needs to stay and continue to bug you or irritate you will stay. But your understanding will transcend any polarities happening there. You won't see one thing as well, that's really good, that left, that's left, or that's gone, but this is really bad, I still have to deal with this. There'll be no additional um, um, analysis going on. You'll just see it in that, without any second opinion. Yeah. We don't have to get rid of giving ourselves a credential. No, all you have to do is see it. We have to be aware of that, the teaching uh, that uh, Trump Rinpoche actually used the credential. He taught a class way back in the 70s, uh, my first teacher, called Buddha Dharma, or Awakened Truth Without Credentials. So if you really see what this is, you will not get a credential. Uh, What's meant there is, if you see what this is, you won't think of yourself as an enlightened being or a Buddha. You won't think of yourself as being superior to others or more insightful than others. Uh, you'll, if you think of anything at all it'll, uh, in terms of words or terms, you'll, you'll see that you're not separate from anyone. It's an aso- astonishing discovery, and I highly recommend that people um, find out who they are. Because if you find out who they are, it's not extra. You've always been that. You've just covered it up. And so that's when I say, don't be too concerned about whether you're having negative feelings or thoughts. They're just, they're just, it's like having unruly children. <laughs> they're still your children. So a few minutes left. Is there any anyone that hasn't asked a question? Yes. Um, Mariah in Texas asks. Yes. How do you work with people whose anger multiplies with your attempts at clarifying and decreasing? Leave the room. I mean, if you can, don't don't interact with people who are aren't even going to get going to give you the benefit of the doubt. They're right going on and multiplying everything. Uh, just and be polite to say I gotta gotta take a break. Got to go to some. Make no, just a little bit, but don't don't spend too much time dealing with with people. Uh, and I'm not, Mariah, I'd have almost have to talk with you to see what the dynamic is. A lot of times, if it's your family member, if it's somebody you live with, if it's somebody you're, you know, it's your mom, your dad, your brother, your sister, your mate, your uh, if it's your neighbor, you can get out of there. But if it's somebody close, very difficult to deal with that. But you can still leave the room. You can be polite and say. I, this this seems to be going in circles. Say it some way where you're not accusing them of anything particular. They're probably already accusing themselves or you. Just say too too circular. If you're trying to talk to somebody that has no interest in training their mind, but is just going with their own thought patterns over and over and over again, you're probably going to have difficulty working with that person unless you just happen to catch them at that time of the week when they're in a good mood. And then it, things might go fine. But the next day, they might not be so well because they're not feeling so good and they're looking for somebody to take it out on. And it might be you, or it might be the other way around. You might be taking it out on them. Have you noticed that? It's just, it's like relentless. The only solution that I can see is uh, 
train your mind. Find out who you are. So the so the warfare will start to diminish on its own. You won't have to stop it. Or not, or go do something else. Play golf. Learn to sing opera. That would take up so much of your time that you wouldn't have time to be upset about anything. But then when you got really good at it, then you'd be wanting some appreciation. Further questions, especially from someone who hasn't asked? I'm going to have to go back to Shoto again. You guys can ask me something. And you know what his questions are like. <laughs> Is that a criticism? No, it was a description. Much different. Like if I say, you're really ugly, and it's a description, that's not a criticism, is it? It's a fact. <laughs> and that's humor. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't have done better than that myself. Good one. Final questions, please? Anyone? Very good. Thank you so much. I'd like to remind everybody about the donation boxes that are in the hallway. We appreciate and depend on your financial support. We also take donations through PayPal, checks in the mail, cash, debit and credit cards. We're very creative that way. May Meredith's time drain into all places so that we and every sentient being together can realize the Buddha's way.